Hello everyone and welcome back to 2020 Psych. I'm one of your hosts, Claire Kay, and I'm joined today by my dad. I'll let him introduce himself. Hello, my name is Dr. Hernandez. I'm a, an American psychiatrist, double board certified. We hope you enjoyed our episode, our one year anniversary episode. Thank you guys so much for being here for a whole year with us and going on this journey. Today we want to talk about severe mental illness and substance abuse. We've talked about these two topics before in the past, but as my dad will talk about, it's you can never emphasize these two topics enough, and considering the climate we're still in, it, it just seems relevant and very important to continue these discussions on both these topics. And one of the first questions I want to ask my dad is, can substance abuse cause permanent mental illness? I think that there's some evidence in the literature that there are some substances, especially stimulants, that can actually initiate and maybe be causative of psychotic disorders such as schizophrenia. I, I definitely see that in clinical practice, and, and I believe that the literature is starting to support that. What are some substances that mirror psychosis? Well, as I mentioned, the stimulants, namely amphetamines and cocaine in particular, have a, an effect where patients become so psychotic that they, it's, it's almost indistinguishable from someone who's suffering from schizophrenia or certain phases of bipolar disorder. What was amphetamines originally created for? Or was it a drug that was created like on the streets? Or does it have a specific purpose? Well, amphetamines have been around for a long time. Uh, amphetamines have been approved for the treatment of, or stimulants have been used for the treatment of attention deficit disorder with uh, hyperactivity. And if I'm not mistaken, maybe even for some sleep disorder such as narcolepsy. Uh, but those are really, they're really restricted to uh, just very uh, specific uh, diagnoses. At what point is use the like recreational use of a substance become from recreational to abuse? And what does someone who maybe isn't even aware, I guess, so my first question, and then how does someone address the fact that they might be abusing a drug if they don't see it as abuse? Well, it depends if people have insight or not. As as we pointed out before, there's a difference between recreational use, which can be sub used sporadically uh, every now and then, um, as opposed to someone who gets to a stage where they're dependent on a certain substance day and night and they're looking forward to it, they engage in activities to procure it. And there's a, definitely a change from, uh, again, sporadic use to having to have it every single time. And, and that's, of course, when addiction takes place and where it becomes a serious problem and it, it, it affects all spheres of life uh, social, scholastic, uh, work, uh, and all spheres of functioning that the drug uh, takes predominance and overwhelms a person. Is addiction itself um, 
a severe mental illness? Well, addiction is considered a disease, so it's important for for all of us to realize that because that takes out the judgment, the character issues when we consider addiction as a disease and patients that suffer from it are treated as such. Again, without judgment, uh, without questioning uh, their their morals or their uh, character, it we have to realize that addiction is so powerful that it it overwhelms somebody and they're helpless and and it does take on the uh, the proportion of uh, of an illness of of uh, something that people are afflicted like any other disease. And what usually comes first in a patient that you might see at, at your hospital? Would it be addiction comes first in their life or mental illness and then the addiction is onset from that? Well, that's an issue that has been greatly debated and I'm not sure if there's a right answer for that. I think that definitely people with uh, substance abuse disorders in and of themselves can develop mental illness and people with mental illness will start abusing drugs as well. And so I don't know if uh, there's any particular sequence that occurs, uh, but what is definitely true is that both of these conditions coexist and not only do they affect the mental status of a person but they affect the physical status as well. What are some examples that you can give professionally that you've seen of a substance abuse mimicking a severe mental illness thinking that it was this severe mental illness and vice versa a severe mental illness that was actually just substance abuse? Well, typically what we see in the hospital are patients that are coming in intoxicated under the influence of amphetamines and cannabis. And when they're under the influence of these particular two substances, they become disinhibited, impulsive, disorganized, irritable, threatening, violent, and straight out, frankly, paranoid. Uh, they, again, they become accusatory, and they frequently require emergent medications to control their behavior. So that presentation can be uh, seen in other patients that have schizophrenia or in a certain stage of bipolar disorder in a manic state. So the the conditions are indistinguishable to the clinician who, when law enforcement typically brings these individuals in, uh, the condition is very serious. It's considered a, a psychiatric emergency. And it, again, initially they're indistinguishable. It's, it's hard to decipher out what's causing what. So is it more common for if a patient is abusing a substance and it onsets schizophrenia, is that like the only mental illness that is like can be brought on from substance abuse or are there other mental illnesses that can come about from using particular substances well 
patients not only become psychotic, but they can also become very depressed. Uh, we've seen patients in, in my years of experience, particularly cocaine is a substance that will really profoundly affect somebody's mood and make them so depressed that it's it's almost it's difficult to see a patient that way. However, if the patients are young, uh, they usually, within maybe two or three days, uh, come out of that 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 severe depression and they they can almost be normal again. So that's one of the the symptoms that uh, cocaine can bring on. Amphetamines will also make people very anxious as well as depressed. And let's not forget about the number one drug of abuse, which is alcohol, which can also bring on a, a severe depression and anxiety. So when we evaluate patients in a psychiatric setting, we always need to inquire about their substance abuse history because that is so telling. Um, and again, these these conditions can coexist, right? So. We have patients that have schizophrenia that are using amphetamines or meth, and they're also uh, drinking alcohol, using cannabis. So that only exacerbates their symptoms and puts them in some really dis- serious uh, predicaments because they become disinhibited. And if they're already psychotic and depressed, it puts them at high risk to hurt themselves and, and or others. What population is substance abuse most common in men or women? I think it it may be a little more common in men uh, than it is in females, though both both sexes have a very high rates of uh, of uh, drug abuse. But I would have to think that 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 men uh, have a higher rate of uh, of use than, than than females do. We've taught we have a whole episode on alcoholism, but I wanted, and we also have an episode on cocaine, but. I wanted to ask, like, over time, what does what happens to the body when you have prolonged usage of cocaine or alcohol? Well, the different substances for alcohol, there can be a myriad of different physiologic uh, symptoms because it affects different organ systems, uh, not just the liver but the pancreas. Uh, the GI tract and another uh, uh, body system. So it, it can typically it's liver disease that, that that we see in the hospital. There's oftentimes uh, people that are bleeding secondary to the gastritis that the alcohol can produce in the gastric lining, and and, and so those are some of the more common problems that we see in the hospital. Uh, and of course, with an aging population, uh, that'll bring on other cardiac and endocrinologic uh, disorders as well. So, alcohol uh, will also, uh, as, as we've talked about in, on, on our episode on alcohol abuse, will also predispose uh, patients to cancer, among other things. So, it's a very toxic substance. So. Uh, when you combine that with mental illness, it's just a, a really bad outcome. Would you say that there is a particular socioeconomic background that people who suffer from substance abuse 
uh, come from or is it across the board could happen to anyone? Doesn't matter how much income you make or what your job status is. Well, I know that when they've done surveys in schools, uh, the more affluent neighborhoods have a, a higher uh, rate of drug use uh, so that kids that come from more uh, advantaged uh, socioeconomic backgrounds use more substances. But that's only felt because in the lower socioeconomic groups, the kids can't afford to buy them. So, but again, it, the, the richer communities seem to have a higher degree of uh, a drug use. And, and again, it's felt because they can afford it as opposed to the poor uh, areas. So what do you suggest for pe maybe people who are listening who don't suffer from substance abuse or have a severe mental illness, but rather they're a family member on the other side of it? What would you say is a good course of action or just a good mentality to have and keep in mind when dealing with a loved one or a friend who has either of the two? Well, because substance abuse affects almost 20% of the population, there's a good chance that we know of somebody or have a loved one or a friend that suffers from this condition. So what can we do to support our, our, our addicted uh, friends or, or family members? What we can do is if there's some well-established groups like Al-Anon, which are for the spouses of alcoholics, but there's also something, uh, there's an organization, um, Mutual Aid Group, as it's known, uh, at, that's Families Anonymous. And they will be, they can be very supportive to parents or siblings of, of somebody who is suffering from a, from addiction. And, and when people get help through those groups, it indirects, indirectly it helps the the, the person that is suffering from uh, from the, the the drug abuse problem so there are other groups that are that are support groups and we encourage you to reach out to get help because again this is a very common problem it affects all our our, our society and, and the, the numbers are just so high and so there are groups that are available that that will help you uh, through the this difficult and challenging time. One of the questions I have is about like if let's say a patient has alcoholism and they're a raging alcoholic and they develop depression or they already had depression and they're also they just also happen to be an alcoholic and they go to the hospital, get treated, get on medication, but they still continue to drink them drinking on top of their antidepressants. What does that do? And does Will they ever get better at that point if they're taking medication but they're still drinking? Well, that's not an unusual uh, situation to, to confront clinically. What we would like to encourage our patients to do is to have abstinence. Uh, we try to tell our patients that if they're depressed, it doesn't matter if they're taking an antidepressant. It's not going to work. Uh, why? Because alcohol in and of itself is uh, causes depression. So if you already have depression, if you're suffering from depression, on top of that you add alcohol to it, it's just a, it can be a lethal combination. 
because the disinhibiting effects of alcohol plus um, the the depressogenic effects of it are just a bad combination and they can often lead to suicide. Suicide is something that occurs too frequently in our society and those patients that abuse substances put themselves at higher risk, especially with alcohol. So if patients have a a pre-existing condition of depression, um, it still behooves us to uh, recommend abstinence sobriety for our patients. That's the real prescription here. And if they're able to succeed in uh, maintaining sobriety, then they can have other treatments such as medications for their for their clinical depression. I imagine that's really hard to, you know, withdraw or to, you know, stop using if you're addicted. But what do withdrawal symptoms look like in with alcohol or with another substance such as cocaine? Well, patients that suffer from alcohol withdrawals, which again are very common, can be they, patients become tremulous, very anxious, and depending on how much alcohol they've had a drink prior to the cessa- the abrupt cessation of alcohol, they can even have a seizure that'll kill them. So that's of course a very worris- worrisome condition to us. We patients that have had uh, delirium tremens or withdrawal seizures are are are, are at higher risk to develop a subsequent. Uh, withdrawal seizure and, and again that can that always carries the the possibility of death so it's something that we take uh, seriously uh, whenever we see patients like that in the hospital and again that's not an uncommon clinical scenario uh, cocaine withdrawals are not as deadly but they can be very uh, painful to the patient agonizing in many ways uh, but it's you know, it's it's a different set of withdrawal symptoms than 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 the deadliest form, which is which is alcohol. What are the more common mental health conditions that occur uh, with substance abuse? Well, there is depression, and there's also anxiety disorders, such as a generalized anxiety disorder, PTSD, and certain phobic disorders. So if you could sum up the relationship between substance abuse and mental illness, severe mental illness disorders, what would it be? That these conditions frequently co-occur and they usually worsen one another. That it behooves us to try to treat patients for their mental health conditions, their substance abuse conditions, and their physical conditions in Together, uh, these uh, conditions rarely do they occur uh, isolated from one another. There's m- much overlap between these three conditions, and it behooves us to bring awareness uh, to other clinicians and to family members. That way, they can get help for their uh, sick loved ones and and, and friends. So. I think that's the the takeaway message that we want to give is that these conditions occur together and they bring a bad outcome if they're not in, if they're untreated. That's going to go ahead and wrap up this week's episode of 2020 Psych. 
Thank you guys for listening. If you want more information or have any questions, feel free to reach out to us on our Instagram at 2020psychpodcasts. But for now, that's it. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you have a great day wherever you are.